0: Francis Chan has been a pastor for over 30 years. He's a New York Times bestselling author of several books, including Crazy Love, Letters to the Church and Until Unity. And currently, Francis is in Northern California. He's teaching and discipling the next generation of pastors and leaders. Francis, thanks so much for joining me again on Takeaways. Takeaways. Yeah, good to be with you, Kirk. Great to see you, great to talk with you. I'm always so inspired and encouraged uh, by what I learned after talking with you, not only because uh, you're, you, you dug so deep into the Bible, but your experiences are so rich in the way that you've served. Well, Francis, for those who aren't as familiar with your story, uh, could, could you just recount for us the calling that you felt to step down as a teacher, pastor, at a mega church to begin serving in a much different context, in much smaller church context, moving to San Francisco, then going overseas. What did that sound like?
1: Yeah, you, you know, I mean, my life has always been about, like, okay, what do I see in the word? Let me just try to obey this as well as I can. God, what are you leading me to? And we just felt like, this, like our job was done. Like we did everything we could do in Simi Valley. We thought about the needs around the world and thought maybe we could be more helpful, maybe a third world country. Um, so we did our best. We moved our family out. We cruised all through Asia and gosh, nothing seemed right. I, we just didn't feel like we were most helpful there and that we could actually do more while we we're in the U.S., for their sake. So that's kind of what brought us back was just this picture of the church and going, gosh, I, I'm reading scripture and I just see this group of people that's so committed to one another, so committed to the mission, so committed to those who were suffering. And it's like, gosh, let's, let's go back and create this. So much of that already is happening overseas. And I'm not that helpful to that cause over there. So let's go back to the U.S. and
0: mm. try to get people to think about the church differently. You actually had the courage to like, pull up stakes and move to Hong Kong. So, and and, and yeah. you interacted with the underground church as well in Asia, didn't you? Yeah. Now, first of all, for people who hear that phrase, um, are they really underground? I mean, are they living in catacombs, like under the dirt? Or is that just mean? no, we're just sort of meeting in secret and we're not telling anybody?
1: Yeah, I mean, they are meeting a lot of times, literally underground, (laughs) you know, uh, in basements and places where uh, they don't want to be found. Um, And it's, you know, they're not they're they're not trusting in the government out there to protect the religious freedom, obviously. Um, So they they meet in secret and worship in secret, oftentimes more quietly. So no one hears them. But they're some of the most passionate, God-fearing people I've wow. I've met.
0: Can you think of something that the underground church in China has taught you that would that is like a lesson that we could learn here in America from them?
1: What surprised me was I'm seeing these young people praying and they're just saying, God please send me to the most dangerous place. I want to die for you. I don't want a comfortable life. And I'm realizing, wow, they really actually want to give their lives for Jesus. In fact, they said one of the five pillars is that they embrace suffering for the glory of Christ. So they embrace it. They don't run from it. They actually want to glorify God through their suffering, through their sacrifice. Whereas I feel like that's pretty polar opposite from most of the people in the US where we're praying for
0: the safety. So so Francis, I genuinely am trying to work through that in my mind, as you say it right now. Should we, as Christians, regardless of where we live, seek to get excited about suffering? Oh Lord, send me to the most dangerous place so that I could die for Jesus as though that were an end in and of itself? Or is it like, no, I'm willing to do that because really what I'm trying to do is alleviate suffering for other people so that I can bring some, some peace and some health and some wholeness to this society? The purpose always has to be love. You know,
1: and so I'm not saying that all those people are doing it perfectly, but I think there is a sense in them that they're taking the Bible literally that when I suffer for something right, I'm actually gonna be rewarded. When I suffer for for something mm-hmm. that is that is good, then I'm actually becoming Christ. Like and I should rejoice in that. Um they, they actually want to have undergone some sort of yeah. sacrifice so that when Christ returns, they're not ashamed of their lives like like First Peter talks about.
0: And, and I know that you have been striving to live that out in your own life. I'm always inspired and excited to hear about the new adventure that the Chan family is on. Can you just share with us some of the things that you've participated in with regard to caring for the poor orphans and widows. I I remember I'm sitting on a plane with you one time and you were talking to me about these people who were moving into your house and it wasn't a big house. And you were like, you "You know what, we're trusting the Lord here. They need help. And, you know, your wife and kids are in the other bedrooms. And what are some of those stories you could share with the audience? I will
1: say that the times in our family's life when we have done some difficult things invited different people in our homes or or given you know more generously we always end up being way more blessed mm-hmm. zero regrets. even the things that don't turn out right even when they uh, the very people you try to bless end up cursing you we look back and go but that's what it means to be like christ so there's there's no regrets even when things don't turn out the way that we wanted them to
0: Francis, what do you what do you think of this topic of of justice, both social justice and cosmic justice? When you travel overseas or when you're in San Francisco and you see the injustices that are going on in certain contexts, it's very easy to say, you know, we as Christians should write these things. Yet we can also read in scripture where, he, where, where God tells us that we are to leave room for the vengeance of God, who will ultimately make things right. Is there a balance that we need to strike? And what, what, what does something like that look like, especially in these really nasty places where horrible things are being done and, and, and you've witnessed this kind of thing? What's our responsibility yeah. and what do we leave to God with regard to justice? We are supposed to take on
1: the character of God. And so I believe that it's, it's naturally in us to want to defend those who are defenseless, mm. which is what God is all about. Now, how far you take that and how physical you get with some yeah. of those things, I, who knows? I, I I, just don't know, um, you know, the Spirit's going to have to lead you in some of those situations. I I personally just am more on the, you know, pacifist side, I guess. You know, not completely, but I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I have friends that or people I know who are ready to fight. Um, yeah. And I just don't know if that's the answer. Um, and yet I have others that just kind of leave everything up to the will of God. right? And I believe our voice is important. We are supposed to speak out yeah. against what's unjust. And um, we're supposed to, in some ways, be God's voice to the people and read the word to people who don't know the word of God and for people to know the things that God hates and the things that he loves yeah and so gosh i believe with all my heart we're supposed to speak up um yet at the same time there will be a day of vengeance there will be a day when god is the one who says vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord and for me i really just i tend to focus on my own actions more than anything um, I look and go, gosh, am I sacrificing for the poor? Am I you know, caring for those who are oppressed? Otherwise I can talk all day and say what's right. But if my life is an exemplary of that, who cares what I say?
0: Francis you've always been an example to to me personally and I know to so many others of somebody who's not just talking the talk but you are walking the walk and and that is what um, I think all of us desire in our hearts as followers of Christ to be is his hands and feet here on earth bringing the help and the hope and the compassion that people so need but especially with a guy like you, how do you how do you guard yourself against having a savior complex? I mean, not many people are going to step down from their cushy job, not that being a pastor in Simi Valley was cushy, but I'm saying a comfortable job compared to going to Hong Kong or serving in the homeless sections of San Francisco. you Do you ever feel like you're taking on the the job of of the Savior to save these people from everything?
1: No, no. I mean, it's it's just it's just like, desire. It's not even, you know, if you're walking down the street, and you see someone in need, I, I think your heart just actually goes there. Like, I want to help the guy. I'm not thinking, I want to save the guy. It's just naturally wanting to help. But also, you know, I just keep thinking about life. I mean, I'm 55. Now, I mean, I get a different menu at Denny's. You know, I mean, I how much longer <laughs> I to live, I want to I want to spend the rest. I'm going to stand before God like soon, like real soon. And I just want to know that I, I gave everything for him. And I, I really don't care. I don't, I don't care to live the last few you know years in luxury. I'm just going, God, I really enjoy serving. Find me people to help. Find me people to give to because
0: this is what makes me happy. Mm. It makes me feel I'm, I'm like you. Francis, what are some of the benefits to us as the family of faith when we obey God's call to put others first, to carry one another's burdens?
1: <laughs> There's so many benefits. I mean, Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. But I think one of my favorite passages is in uh, in uh, Isaiah 58 uh, when he says that, uh, you know, when you care for the hungry and you bring the homeless poor into your house, you know, he says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. So, so there's a sense in which God says, okay, I'm looking at the people who care for the poor. And when they cry out to me, I'm going to be here I am. Uh, I mean, it's, it's about this relationship. I mean, we, we don't realize that prayer is very conditional, answer to prayer is conditional. God -hmm. doesn't just answer every prayer. He clearly says, look, if you don't believe, I'm not going to listen. If you don't treat your your wife as a fellow heir of the grace of life, your prayers are going to be hindered. And here he's saying, Mm. it's when you care for the poor, that when you cry out to me, I'm going to say, here I am. And I love that. I mean, isn't that the greatest thing we could have on this earth is God almighty. You know, whenever we cry out to him, he's like, "Yep, it's Kirk. I know what he's done for the
0: poor. What do you want, Kirk? Hmm. You know, what's better than that? I can't think of much better than that. Uh, to have God on speed dial, and, and we're like, okay, th- here's where we're at. This is, these are the supplies we need. This is the backup that we're looking for. Please uh, open up the heavens and, and pour it out right now. Where are you seeing God most at work through your eyes, from your experiences? Where do you really see awesome things taking place?
1: As horrible as the situation is in Myanmar right now with that military coup, uh god has been God has just decided to bless that nation um as far as their faith and the growth in the christian world and i I know we kind of jump from one crisis to another, and so sometimes we forget certain countries, but having been to Burma a couple of times myself and seeing the receptivity of the gospel and now seeing those people. Who are newer believers really sharing the gospel uh, mm. amidst the poverty and and all the fear? Uh, I mean, God's doing great things in in uh, some some really crazy places like Iran. Um, I was in Israel a couple of weeks ago. I mean, just there's there's a lot of powerful things going on around the world.
0: It's like the twists and turns in the advance of the gospel and the expansion of the kingdom are so unexpected, which is always how the greatest stories go. And over time, we've seen how not only America sends gospel missionaries out to the rest of the world, but now we're seeing these places send gospel missionaries back to, back to America and the West, yeah. because we've become so apathetic and complacent. We've got this treasure and we just sort of like, eh, that's okay. You know we're 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 kind of we're kind of over it. In fact, let's go. Let's try some paganism. That sounds new and interesting. It's so hard. It's so hard to live
1: in a comfortable setting. Um, it's so hard to uh, have our our houses in the U.S. not feel like homes. To really be thinking about our eternal home. I mean, it's the enemy. The enemy is trying to get us to think this is it. This is it for us. And just settle down. I, I don't know. I, I had some friends who uh, came over from Iran, and they just said, we, we can't live here because it's like this satanic lullaby going on that's lulling us to sleep. And I thought, oh, that's such a perfect phrase for what can go on. We just lose sight of the invisible and the eternal because there's a lot of fun things that we can be doing here.
0: Francis, some, some might be listening to us right now and thinking like, wow, Francis is really radical. I mean, he's really talking about not being comfortable in his home, and what I, and, and we're, we're trying to decorate our home and make it more comfortable. Um, do you see yourself as radical, or is this just normal biblical Christianity? I think it's very normal. I feel
1: like I am weak. I don't want to be a coward. I get distracted. I do not feel radical at all. I just think sometimes when (laughs) it's like I, I tell the story of when I was in in college and I went to Hong Kong and and my grandma was just introducing me to everyone and, and everyone there was going, wow, he's so big. And I'm like, I'm like five, nine, but to them I was huge, you know, because at that time, everyone was so short, you know, I think before they exported milk over there, but you you know, it's just this (laughs) whole idea of, yeah, I look big here, but that's because the people are so small. And I feel like sometimes in the U.S anyone that sacrifices anything seems radical or like this amazing Christian when the reality is, is it because we've all grown so
0: complacent? Francis, you've used the word sacrifice uh, quite a few times since we've been talking and and going into cultures where people look for opportunities to sacrifice. Um, Jesus said, if you want to come after me and follow me, take up your cross and when I think about taking up a cross, I mean, if you're talking about a cro- if Jesus was talking about a cross, that's a Roman torture device and you end up dying. You don't come back from that. That doesn't sound like an exciting invitation. Um, that's kind of a tough sell. What's in it for us when we take up our cross and follow Jesus?
1: Well, he makes it so clear. He says, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. So there's something it's it's faith. It's this promise. I I can't I can't describe it for everyone. But he says, whatever you sacrifice on the earth, I will give you, you know, a a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. Mm. And there's some faith involved. I, I can't promise you if you send in a hundred dollar check for the poor that you'll get a hundred thousand the next day, but you might, I I don't know what that reward is going to look like. And Hebrews 11 explains that some people don't see it in their earthly lifetime. Um, There's a reward that's going to come after for them. It's going to be different for each person. Um,
0: We just have to trust his promises. Francis, do you think that the rewards that come from giving are dependent upon our motives, like what I mean by that is, is, is for example, if I'm giving because I know that God's going to return back a hundredfold, is that the wrong motive? And should I only expect return if I'm not really caring about it and only caring for other people?
1: Well, first of all, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that it doesn't matter if you give everything up and even die, if it's not motivated by love, it profits you nothing. Okay, so Great. so Great. we have to be thinking, I, do I love these people? Do I care? Like, you know, I've seen kids like starve to death. Like I've seen a mom crying over basically a skeleton that just died and, and is going nuts. And for me to feel nothing and do nothing, that, that would be concerning. I mean, I hope that we have at least that much compassion to go, okay, what can I do? How can I sacrifice for them? So it has to be motivated by, I actually love these people and I want their best. And it's not out of guilt. It's not out of just pure reward, although Christ does talk about it. And so it's okay to talk about that.
0: What are some of the things that you uh, and Lisa have done to encourage your kids to excel in giving and serving? What are some things that that we can do to encourage our kids and grandkids in that in that regard?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I, I think as we naturally live our course of life, and whether it's letting people live in our home that that makes it very uncomfortable, and we sit down with the kids and go, "Look, I don't enjoy this either." I don't like this either, but think about them. Think about their needs. Think about where they came from. Um, you know, think about why they're acting this way. So it's it's kind of teaching them why we sacrifice or when we're in a difficult place, you know, we go somewhere overseas where there's so much need. It's just going, look, I don't. Obviously, this isn't comfortable for us, but this is what Jesus did. He left heaven and Every time we do this, we'll
0: always be glad we did it afterwards. What are some pieces of advice you could give someone who's listening saying, I want to serve, I want to be more generous, more sacrificial with my time and my resources, but I'm not sure where to start?
1: Pray that God just gives you eyes to look for people to love. Um, And, you know, it's not like we jumped to these like radical things of letting prisoners into our home um we started with smaller things but it's got to start with love and to say god i actually want to help people have me run into people today who need me that that my you know my finances could be a blessing to or um i I, it's just starting with our heart of love because we wake up so self-centered we just think about what we want for the day what we want the day to look like Friends and say, God, no, I want to serve someone today. Let me be like that good Samaritan and uh, help me just eyes to look for that.
0: Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.